Hello and welcome to the Real Philip Carter Show. This is episode four of season two. And today I've not got a guest, but I am going to talk to you about traditional publishing and self-publishing. So slight change from the format. Basically, I want to get into which one might be best for you. So I've got the halfplanetpress.substack.com website and you can read the full article on there. But today I'm going to dive in a bit more of my personal thoughts and my experience, that kind of thing. So traditional publishers publish around 60,000 new books per year. You've got to remember that fact. And also that in 2022, the Department of Justice versus Simon & Schuster slash Random House trial reached its conclusion, um, which discovered through the trial that um, all these big publishers had conspired together to keep ebook prices quite high so they could actually make more money out of ebooks. Now, that's a very general way of explaining it, but the, the finer details are in the article itself. Um, so, yeah, anyway, traditional publishers publish 60,000 new books per year. Only half of these actually ever manage to sell more than 12 copies. That means if you get a traditionally published book, you've got a 50% chance that you will sell less than 12 copies of that book in its lifetime before it gets pulped, before they stop printing more of them. 12. 12 copies. Now, I will tell you that when I published Who Built the Humans, I did a shit job of it. The book itself is good. It's polished, it's edited, it's nice. Everybody who reads it likes it. However, I did a shit job of publishing it because I'm a writer. And back then, I wasn't a publisher. I am now, but back then, I wasn't. How did I get experience in publishing? I used Who Built the Humans as my guinea pig. Was that a smart idea for the book? No. For me as a person and a businessman, yes. So what I did, I was with Lulu.com. They're great. Publish through them. I really like the paper quality of Lulu. I find it to be better than Amazon. And the cream-coloured paper is actually more cream-coloured than Amazon's, which is kind of just a light yellow. So yeah, Lulu, I prefer the paperback quality. However, the paperbacks are a bit floppy compared to Amazon's ones. It is difficult. What I ideally want is the cover structural integrity of Amazon, but with the interior paper of Lulu. Anyway, publish it through Lulu. A few people had problems finding it. I realized there was no discoverability there. Talked to some authors. They said, why aren't you on Amazon? Go on Amazon. Went on Amazon. Got some sales. I also realized that as I was selling to Amazon through Lulu, I was making a lot less on copies that customers were buying on Amazon if I hadn't published them directly with Amazon. It was about three or four times less. I can't remember exactly, but it, it was enough to bother me. Um, so, yeah, I moved to Amazon. What I did what I did then is I messed up. Now, every book has an ISBN code, which is basically its barcode that identifies it so you don't get it confused with any other book. It's just a, a number of numbers code that you can use to identify it. It's like the book's DNA, basically fingerprint perhaps is a good analogy as well so i told the isbn providers i'm not using this old version of the book anymore could you get rid of the isbn please they said no we can't get rid of the isbn but you should tell booksellers that it's not available anymore i did but guess what there's so many ebook and paperback stores in the world that even two years later i've not got around to telling everyone so i screwed up because that means sometimes when you search for who built the humans you'll find the copy that doesn't exist anymore um, and I don't know how many customers I've lost to that. I really don't. And it needs to be more widely available than Amazon. So I've recently exited my Kindle Unlimited agreement with them. 
Um, and I'm going to go through draft to digital instead. I'm also, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a deluxe edition out. That's been ready for about a year. And I think it's about time now because my Substack has reached 500 subscribers. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. But my point being, I, after all of those mistakes, after not doing good advertising, after my Instagram being threatened to be deleted by Instagram because I made some dark jokes, which, by the way, is the best way to advertise Who Built the Humans because it's full of them. You want the right audience to read your book, not a big audience, because then you get shit reviews. You want reviews from the people who are actually going to like the book. Anyway, the point being, after all of that, I have sold more than 12 print copies of Who Built the Humans. And not only have I sold more than 12 print copies of Who Built the Humans, I have sold more than 12 print copies of Who Built the Humans when I had no adverts running at all. No Amazon adverts, no Instagram, no Facebook not going to events. In the middle of the pandemic, I sold five or six. After the pandemic, I sold five or six more. At the moment, I seem to sell two paperbacks a week, and I don't do anything other than talk about short stories on my newsletter. And it's, I've sold more paperbacks than half of traditionally published authors. And that's that's not me saying I'm brilliant. That's me saying there's something wrong with the traditional publishing industry. It presents itself as this big industry that's going to help you. You know, you're going to pay your bills. Everyone's going to love you. You're going to get your book signing. You're going to be in Waterstones. It's going to be great. 12 copies. 12. 50% of those 60,000 new books published per year never sell more than 12 copies. And of the 30,000 books that do sell 12 copies, only 2% of them are actually successful and they define success by basically basically only 600 traditionally published books per year crawl out of the earning out oubliette that traditional publishers put mid-level offers into and indeed all offers what is the earning out oubliette well earning out is defined as when a book has made more money than the publisher put into printing and advertising the thing so imagine your publisher spends £8,000 on your book and the publisher gets, let's say, a pound per copy. They would need to sell 8,000 copies then for your book to actually get to the point where your royalty is actually going to be factored in. If my maths is like spot on there, it probably isn't. But um, basically, yeah, earning out is when your book earns enough money and profits that outsets the initial cost of printing the thing. That's a much better explanation. It's a shame I don't edit these podcast episodes, isn't it? But people find it funny. You lose a lot of improv, improv if you edit as well. I genuinely believe that the publishing industry, because it claims to be risk-averse, risk-averse, it becomes biased towards work by people who are already popular, which means it's anti-art. Whilst it makes logical sense to put time into advertising good writing, regardless of the social status of its author, that's my business model at least, this is not a model that the trad pubs have adopted, primarily because I imagine it makes them less money. Instead, publishers see the lack of apparent marketability. They seem to think readers prefer celebrities over books and decide to contribute to that lack of marketability by steamrolling over smaller authors with massive advertising campaigns for the already famous. 
if a publisher doesn't imagine a book will make a profit, they don't seem to invest as much into it. But then a question is raised in my mind, why the fuck would they bother publishing it if they don't think it will sell? There doesn't seem to be an obvious answer to this. Perhaps publishing mid-level books, that's what they call authors who aren't famous yet, keeps up the illusion that Tradpub is worth pursuing, and keeps up this image that the industry is equal and fair for all, or at least it is trying to be. But what's the truth for a small author? Can you make money from Tradpub? Mid-level, I hate that phrase, authors will very rarely earn a royalty from their traditionally published books. As I said before, only 60,000 books are published by Tradpub a year, 30,000 of which sell more than 12 copies, 600 of which manage to earn out their production costs. These 600 books are the only books which ever make the author royalties. Therefore, we get 60,600, quite convenient maths here, basically 1%. 1% of traditionally published books will actually make the author any money. Um... There is one piece of evidence I don't have, is that I don't know exactly how many of these 600 books become bestsellers. So for the purpose of this experiment, we'll pretend every single one of them is a bestseller. So how likely is it, if we guarantee each of those 600 authors makes a living writing books, will you be within that 600? It's not too hard mathematically. The numbers are convenient. As I said a few seconds ago, 60,000 books, 600 financially successful ones, 1% chance. One in 100 traditionally published books makes the author any money based on these figures. It's actually less than that if we take the New York Times quote into consideration as well, which is, uh, in 2021, fewer than 1% of the 3.2 million titles that BookScan tracked sold more than 5,000 copies. So there's actually, there's less. It's a strange thing because you hear that and you think it's all doom and gloom. And there's still people that know about this and they're still gleefully going into Tradpub. Which, I mean, this is an extreme view to take and it, perhaps it's going to reflect back on whether I try and get an agent in the future. It might, you know, they might hear this and get pissed off with me. Fair play. Um, I think in some senses traditional publishing is vanity publishing. I noticed with poets when I was at uni that there was certain practices people wanted to get into publishing houses just so they could say they were published you know they didn't they always said oh there's no money in poetry but it would be nice to be published which i didn't understand because i thought you could just print the poems out on your computer and stick them to somebody's fence um if your intention is not to make any money out of them why would you spend upwards of 10 years looking for an agent who would spend a few years looking for a publisher who would spend a few years deliberating whether to publish it at all who would then publish it and then you wouldn't get any money out of it if you if you know from the offset your poetry collection is not going to be profitable why not just self-publish it i just don't understand maybe that's my anti-authority vibe in my head because i've never understood wanting to either impress people or wanting to perform to some kind of social expectation that proper book is a traditionally published book, self-published books are shit, which was very pervasive at my uni in 2015. I don't know why the society now, it seems that self, there's a lot of, even self-pub has elitism now, as people say. I mean, I say self-pub best pub, and people have misinterpreted that as I think self-published books are better. I think, rather, that self-publishing is a, a shortcut to more freedom. I design my own book covers. I do my own audio books. I do my own marketing, publishing, printing. I enjoy it. 
and it is a lot of hard work. So at the end of this podcast, I would like to say, if you're considering something like that, if you're considering moving from trad pub to self pub, you've got to realize it's not actually a shortcut to everything. It's a shortcut to freedom. But if you're on a low budget like I was, you're going to have to probably make your own book cover. The first few are going to look shit. That's going to happen, okay? Unless you're a graphic designer. Maybe even if you are a graphic designer, you might not necessarily have the background to understand what readers like. I certainly didn't. But I've just been thinking a lot about those figures from TradPub recently. 60000 a year. Only 600 make any money. And what we really need now, and what I'm going to follow up with next week is, if I can find it, how many self-published books are published a year? And how many of them actually make any money? And it's not all about money, though, is it? Really. I mean, it is. For traditional publishing, people go towards it thinking it's going to make them money, and self-publishing isn't, and self-publishing is for crap people. It's about prestige and money, depending on who you ask. For me, I wanted to get the Stephanie Glitch traditionally published just so I could say that it was good enough to be accepted by someone. I realized a while ago that it's never going to be good enough to be accepted by someone. It's going to be good enough to be accepted by my fans, but it's not going to be in enough strict, neat little boxes to be picked up by Tradpub because it's risky. It's a mix of poetry and science fiction with comedy elements. And it's actually, it's more than capable of being split into seven novellas. Now, that's a weird novel. Hard to explain to someone. I remember in 2015, I went to a traditionally publishing, traditional publishing pitching event, and somebody said, it sounds like a good book, but you're confused with genres. It sounds like it would be hard to place on a shelf, to which I mimed picking the book up and placing it on a shelf. And she said, which shelves were you imagining? And I said, science fiction and philosophy. There's a little shelf called Philip Carter right in the middle. I don't think she found it as funny as I did. And I don't think that really had much of an impact on the truthfulness of what I'd said. I, I genuinely believe that there should be better ways of categorizing books because I think underneath all of this issue, underneath the trad pubs conspiring to raise ebook prices, you know, putting out hardbacks before paperbacks because they cost the same amount of money to print in bulk, but you can have higher profits on hardbacks because consumers see them as collector's items, so you can price them higher. All of these money-grabbing techniques kind of fall under deeper, like, issues in the architecture of them and the way people look at literature as a whole. Um... Because you just, if you go into a bookstore, there's very obvious categories. You know, you use science fiction, fantasy. That's a recent development. They used to be lumped together. Um, but I think it should be more granular than that as well. I think if possible, we should have spectrum shelves in bookshelves. So that's what I'm going to do with the Half Planet Press have a spectrum bookshelf. So we go like science fiction, light science fiction, steampunk, fantasy, dark fantasy, romance fantasy, romance, and then go
goes back around to romance science fiction and you've got then you've got some kind of color wheel of genres now i don't expect that you're going to be able to fill all of those shelves up but what you should have is some way of categorizing the books maybe with a shelf edge label for each book that shows people what genres it's close to maybe some kind of star chart so it has like different size points going towards different genres and how dark it is how potentially let's say triggering it is i hate that word but you know if it's got dark humor or if it's got dark scenes in it you have a spike there for that and i think that would help books find their audience especially if you think about it you see that on a shelf you're going to be stood thinking about the book for a good few seconds before you potentially pick it up and you go oh it is like this star chart oh my god so that's what I'm going to do with the Half Planet Press bookstore. I've applied for a job at a bookstore at the moment. I don't know if I'll get it. It includes being a barista as well, which I've not done in about 13 years, um, which is interesting. I'm not going to get into that, but that's I left that for a very good reason. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird because I've told you, I've basically front-loaded this podcast episode with quite a lot of heavy news about traditional publishing. But at the same time, do I hate traditional publishing? Well, no, I'm incapable of hate. I don't think I have the capacity for it. Do I dislike it? I dislike some of its practices, but I also dislike some of the practices of self-pub. I think a lot of industries are dishonest from the top down. But what's worst about it is that there's artists that are in this, that you know they're convinced that what they are doing is valuable. My, my computer's just having an asthma attack. Give it a minute. But yeah, they're convinced that what they're doing is valuable and the publisher is convinced that what they're doing is not valuable. So they don't invest in it and it doesn't sell. Whereas if they invested on it, it would sell because there is an audience for it. I mean, think about it. Who Built the Humans is a collection of 47 science fiction and satire stories that can be read in any order. It's designed to be read during quick train journeys, which is why it came out in paperback and not hardback by the way, special edition hardback coming soon. It's designed to be experienced in a way that other books have never been designed to be experienced before. It's an experimental thing, and with Who Built the Humans 2, I'm becoming even more experimental with it by having forks in the road for readers, where they can hear about a concept and go the serious route or the satire route. And it's all of that comes together, and it's just... It's new. And it had no audience in the beginning. It had nobody. And now there's nearly 500 of you on my substack, And you're hit by choice, which is bizarre to me. There's so many people that want to listen to what I'm saying and find at least some of it interesting. At least some of it tells them something new about the world. And I think that's the great part about literature. And it's what the publishing companies are missing. They want to sell stuff because they want to sell stuff and make money. But the stuff that makes money in literature last week is not what's going to make money this week, because readers, most readers that I've met prefer at least some novelty. They go, yes, I've enjoyed The Hunger Games, but I don't want to read a book that pretends to be it. I want to read a book that might 
potentially be comparable to the Hunger Games, but which has a unique twist on the formula or the character design. Or maybe it's from the bad guy's perspective. Maybe it's set in space. Maybe there's something new about it. And that's what's important about literature. And we're nearly at 20 minutes, so I'm going to end it in about five seconds. But that's what's important. And that's what you've got to focus on with publishing. And that's why you should make the decision on a project-by-project basis, whether you're going self-pub or trad-pub, what will these particular systems offer not just you as a person but what will they offer your book what will they do for you because you're the master of this universe okay you're in charge nobody else is in charge of your book even if you go traditional publishing and they say you've got to do this you've got to do that you've got to change that character's name you've got to do this you can say no you can say no you can compromise Obviously, sometimes people know more than you. I have an editor at the moment for the Stephanie Glitch. He made a very good point. The two of my characters' names are very similar, and it might confuse some readers. I don't consider that kind of thing because I find it easy to discern between them. But if other people are going to struggle, fair play. I can live with it. I wasn't precious about that character's name. He's a background character anyway. So I changed his name instead of the main character's name. And you can live with stuff like that, but you've got to think when you're going self-pub or trad-pub, who is your audience? And if you've not met them yet, try and find them. You know, join a chat room, go outside, find people that like your stories and remember things about them. What are their interests? What do they find funny? What makes them happy? And then when you go to traditional publishing or self-publishing, you'll know which one serves your audience better. And if you want any advice on how to publish self-published books follow the half bite press substack the advice is by the way totally free um and i i can tell you it works and i can tell you i can definitely tell you what doesn't work because i've done most of it so i've tried stuff that doesn't work that's how i learn and that's why i'm not too upset about not selling millions of copies of who built the humans because people really like it but it's at the moment it's only on amazon and i need to fix that so i will end with this note the special edition is going to come out on draft to digital instead, which has a lot wider reach. Um, and if you are a self-pub author, I recommend checking it out, reading free blogs about it. You know, reach out to authors as well. Get a Twitter to ask people questions because a lot of people, they will, if they have the time, they will give you the time to help you out because we're not alone in this. And that's that's the thing you don't see with the statistics is that, yeah, there's 60,000 authors. But they're not alone. They have friends, you know? And I think that's that's what I like about self-publishing is if I am stuck on something, I don't have to email a big company and hope they get back to me, you know, and see me as important. I get to speak to my friends. I go, hey, John, I'm stuck on draft to digital or hey, Sarah, I'm stuck on book funnel. I don't know how book funnel works and they'll help me out. And then later on down the line, such as right now, for example, I can put an anthology together with some of my funny friends in it. Both John and Sarah are actually in it. And I can help them out in return for all the times they've helped me. Now, it doesn't have to be reciprocal like that, but I like giving back to people and it's going to be a really cool book. And yes, that's right. I'm announcing a new book right at the end of this podcast. I'm not going to tell you what the name of it is yet, but it contains seven sci-fi comedy stories by some really talented authors I know. I should say skilled as well. You have to, I have to be careful these days. Um, the word talented is interesting because it, it, to some people it implies a lack of skill. It's They were born with this, whereas everybody I know, is, they were born as good writers, evidently. 
but they've then worked on refining it. So they're exceptional at what they do because they were good in the beginning and then they were like, I want to be better. Um, but yeah, new books are coming out. I hope you liked this uh, rant with many tangents and fronds sticking out from it about traditional publishing, self-publishing. Remember, if you are if you want to get a book or a story out there, there's loads of ways to do it. You don't have to be set in your ways. There's people I've spoken to who have said, oh, I'm a self-pub author. No, you're not. Your book is self-pub. You as an author, you're an author. You can be trad pub tomorrow. You can be hybrid pub the day after. I do it on a project-by-project basis. It just so happens that a lot of the time, self-pub works better for me. But I don't know what's going to work better for you. Only you can make that decision. And I hope this podcast episode, being bigger and more unusual than usual, I hope this podcast episode has helped you make at least a little bit of progress towards making a decision for one or two projects, you know, which way you want them to go, which system is going to serve your audience better. And with that, I have now extended my outro by four minutes and 40 seconds. So we're now nearly at 25 minutes. So I'll say thank you to anyone who managed to listen through this entire thing whilst making a stir fry, which is about the time that this podcast takes is stir fry time. Stir fry Fridays. That's what we could call it that. Anyway, I've got to leave. Uh, (laughs) I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this. I enjoyed the rant. And, yeah, if you want to read a new story, I've got mycelial out on realphilipcarter.substack.com, which has rapidly became my most popular story. And on the halfplanetpress.substack.com, I've got a lot of other stuff as well. And some comedy coming up. See you next week.